0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the show, where we talk about shows with our friends. In this episode, we are talking Lilyhammer, the very first Netflix original show, episode six and seven. This was Eli's show, so Eli, take it away.
1: Yes, it was, Steve. And for us, our third show we've watched together. It's kind (sighs) of crazy. We're we're rounding out the first season of our third show, Steve. That's kind kind of amazing to think of. We are rolling. We we, are rolling. We are definitely rolling. And we are rolling (laughs) through Lilyhammer. And for this episode of Shows with Friends, we watched six and seven. This is an eight-episode season, so we are definitely getting close to the season finale. And it is getting interesting. The plots are thickening. Really fun couple episodes. And yeah, just keeping everything in mind we've been discussing I think these were really fun and satisfying. But, Steve, I want to hear from you, first-time watcher, what you thought about Lilyhammer 7. But first, Lilyhammer Episode 6.
0: Yeah, Lilyhammer Episode 6. So this was coming off a really intense episode, right, where Gear was killed in New York, trying to track down information about uh, Johnny, a.k.a. I should say Frank the Fixer, a.k.a. Johnny in Lilyhammer. So things have gone. I wanted to talk a little bit with you, now that we're in episode six, really about the tone of this show. Mm. Because for me, it lives in in a real comedy, surreal place, right? So you have this gangster archetype who's in this really idealistic, um, society of Norway where just things are just different. There's yeah, a, just a different way of living than he's ever been accustomed and a different sense of community probably mm-hmm. it might be the right way to put it.
1: Yeah, And community responsibility, I think included yeah. in that, right, is something they keep coming back to, very prominent.
0: Yeah, so it was, for me, now that the series is adding these really heavy – Elements like gear being killed, and now these two in episode six, these two um, mafioso New York goons is what I wrote down as in my note. But these two mafia guys show up, and I think they're trying to bring an element of danger or darkness to the series. But I feel like the series itself has established itself as being so light and funny up until this point that I don't think it's a myth I don't think they're trying to make these guys scary or anything because they themselves are it is that gangster in Norway thing like they're they're just funny yeah. and the main guy who's like the nephew of the mob boss who's the wild card who throws the kid through the window right like he's more of a caricature and more of like a clownish playing it up as like as, as a com- the comedic elements of that of that character. But I just thought it was interesting that, um, now we're getting into stuff where they're, they're there to kill him, you know, and all of a sudden the stakes are higher and these guys are meant to be threatening. And it's not, it doesn't lose the, the series doesn't lose its sense of humor about itself. I get, that's what I wanted to point out ultimately.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's part of, uh, what they're, Intentionally saying through the tone and the way that um, this continues in six is like you can take you know two these you know throw two more scumbag hot-headed New York mobsters into the mix and they're just going to end up in this same world. it's not going to bend to their supposed you know sinister mobster nature they're now in Norway and in this new world. And, and I think that is what continues to be funny uh, is that despite these elements or escalating stakes, people are really dying now. Um, but yeah. it re- remains, at least in Lillehammer, this same same atmosphere
0: through these episodes for sure. Yeah. Did you guess that he was going to throw the gas the gas attendant kid through the window, like with that exchange about the money, was that predictable to you at all in that moment?
1: It seemed predictable he was going to, uh, that it was going to lead to violence yeah. in some yeah. way or another. And just that this guy is like not, you know, especially in, in episode six, this character is not going to fall in line. And... He's also clearly not going to be able to, as asked by Uncle Aldo, keep a low profile. Um, Right. So I think, yeah, there's a couple things going in that we know. We're just like, oh man, this is going to be funny. This guy's going to beat some people up, right? And there's no way they're going to keep a low profile. Therefore, kind of sets up that they're... Uh, entrance into this world's going to be known and therefore kind of telegraphed to Johnny, to the police, to everyone. Right? Like, there's no secret uh, when these guys roll into town because of this nature of of Norway and Lillehammer and this uh, the society that they're so foreign and out of place in. But yeah, so so diving into six, you know, they they arrive, and so we've got all of this. And, um, as we've, you know, noted before, there's sort of episode capers, right? But what we're getting here is like a real connection, right? From, uh, five to six, because we now know these guys are coming. Um, gayer has been, been shot. So we get these guys arrive, we get the funeral. Uh, but yeah, then of course, cover up. right. Uh, but then of course the new, uh, Episode caper or episode storyline? Um, Johnny Frank's buying a condo. <laughs> yeah, a co-op. <laughs> yeah, a co-op. That's important. <laughs> uh, very important.
0: Yeah, he was over the hunting cabin, as he called it, or whatever, whatever he called the his original his original digs. Yeah, um, when he gave it when he gave it to Arnie. Um, Arnie kind of shined in these in these two episodes. <laughs> he's been an interesting little character in this in this series. Yeah. Where he was just kind of like the baddie that they beat up to get to the next level and then he's wound up kind of hanging with them and working with them and the the doorman and the odd guy who's going to carry stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, it's like so it's I,
1: they don't talk about it so much after like it happens, but he's really like the active link to the biker gang. Mm. And it's one of those things like arranged marriages, kind of, where it's like, all right, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be buds, we're gonna do deals, cool. You're gonna employ my guy as your doorman, right? It's like, um, even though you you trust that Arnie is like totally with them for the most part, right? But he is. You kind of forget that, right? He's like the embedded biker, and he's the link between them and the biker boss, uh, the crazy. Crazy redheaded biker boss who I love, uh, who we get to see a little bit too. But yeah, Arnie really starts to uh, immediately in six, we start to see more as they go to pick him up and they see uh, his mom doting on him.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, it was really cool. The, the episodes, you know, for Arnie were great. Uh, gear is the co- correct pronunciation of his name. I've been calling him Torin this whole series. Um, but Torgear also has a really funny couple of episodes and he's, I mean, clearly been really funny character throughout this entire series, just oh, yeah. a joy since the first episode to kind of follow along um in a perfect bumbling sidekick to to Johnny in this. Yeah. But the when when he moves into the condo initially and they start playing music and he starts dancing, I thought that was a super funny scene. And it's there's amazing. so many amazing yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Johnny just there's, standing there, uh, hey, and Torger okay, doing that funny good. ass dance with his legs, yeah. you know, like
0: amazing scene, yeah. And so there's so many things that happen with Johnny in these situations, these mini-capers as you call them in Lilyhammer, where you're kind of like immediately being like oh, this isn't going to work. <laughs> you know, and they, this was totally one of them. Like, oh, yeah. he's signing it and then finding out, like, he's pretty much signed to buy it. Yeah. And then he finds out that it's a co-op and everyone comes together and cleans. And he's like, you know, he's, I I, I find his throwaway, his receiving of information throughout this series to be really funny device that Stephen yeah. Van Sant uses where he's just kind of like, in, internally, you can sense, you can see him going, I'm not going to do that. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, that's not going to work. I'm just not going to do that. No, <laughs> no.
1: Yeah. Or that, uh, we'll see about that.
0: Yeah. yeah and of we, course, it,
1: <laughs> the condo, you know, the, I don't even know, is he like, oh, yeah, he's like the board, the leader of the board or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's the the overzealous, you know, co op guy. And, uh, was spearheading these cleanups, Dugnod, or whatever they call him. And, uh, <laughs> you can just tell, too, that character's got his arm in a sling, and he's ar- so he's already, like, portrayed as this sort of weak man, yeah. toting the little power he has character, and you know his collision course with Johnny is not going to be kind to him.
0: I mean, episode six was great. I mean, the whole him obviously getting, there was a, he got busted, um, Torgir's brother rats him out briefly and he has to go to jail and the sequence of him in jail in Norway was for me one of the funnier parts of the entire
1: series.
0: (laughs) Like it's like this: the notion that like they're going to give them it's the complete opposite of the American jail system right? So where it's like everything's crummy here and it's like we're punishing you like there the focus is on rehabilitation,
1: giving them a sense
0: of ownership over their space and like responsibility to make it, keep it nice and there's lots of books and reading and they can watch TV and they can just sort of like, you know have this opportunity to change ultimately um, so to just see him sort of experiencing that and immediately going to like music class playing the recorder, like it was just it's, it is so it's such a fundamental philosophical difference between the two continents um systems of of punishment <laughs> like that it was just so wild to see it through the eyes of like a New York mobster. It was like I can do time, time's not hard and then he's like in there and it's it's like a hotel.
1: <laughs> playing recorder.
0: Super nice.
1: Yeah, well, it's unsurprising certainly given the, the show and what they've set up uh thus far. And uh yeah, evoking of um early uh, grade school, really. If you think about what they were doing, shop class and recorder. Like, oh, yeah. That's, that's American grade school. That's like early, early grade school. That's what you do in like first, like kindergarten, first, second grade, right? Yeah. And how nice the uh, the guard is to him, right? <laughs> yeah. The whole time. When he,
0: in- he interrupts the meeting with the lawyer to like, yeah. give him some pastries or some roll cake. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mm. love that part. Yeah, absolutely. But of
1: course, they get uh, Torgir's brother to recant his his testimony. And uh, that's a great moment and scene as well. Um, Torgir takes him out in the rowboat. Mm. And, yeah. Uh, it was very cinematic. Uh, yeah, like very cinematic. Godfather. And, yeah, exactly. And then uh, as... He, as his brother, sees, you know, the bikers waiting for him. Wait a minute, man. Wait a minute. (laughs) And he tells him that story about how he got expelled from school and took some beatings for his brother,
0: something his brother had done. That was a great scene. I mean, that just was so great. Like, you really were like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, grounding
0: their relationship as brothers in a really real way it was it was it was an excellent scene
1: yeah in this episode um you know you kind of alluded to it a little bit but tour gear is such a like real character and he has that like funny um you know somewhat you know he's he's like the funny sidekick who's just mm. you know a little bit goofy learning not from Johnny's world but we really see like the depth of his character and his humanity and um and into 7 we see you know a little more but we're we're starting to like really get deep into him and uh and he's a very very relatable uh interesting character that keeps getting deeper but yeah this scene is great and um the way that he gets his brother to come around is really uh heart heartwarming and uh it's interesting because tour is like right in the middle of all this stuff which gets sinister and uh and is mostly illegal um but he's also still like Seemingly very genuine and heartfelt. Um, and that, you know, that's what a lot of what this series is getting at is mm. this juxtaposition and how to sort of pull that off. Uh, and I think, you know, what you're talking about earlier, the kind of tone of the show really uh does that somehow. And um yeah, yeah it's almost like it reminds me a little bit of when Last show we were talking about Dairy Girls in the setting of uh, such a you know obvious comedy in a time of uh, war and conflict in uh, space such as Northern Ireland. This is uh, starting to get similar kind of in. Uh, there's so much like innocence that just comes in this show from the Norwegian culture, and yet this like dark menacing uh, force of uh, you know Johnny, sort of bringing and uniting these illegal uh, factions, and Torgier. Yeah, he like remains. I mean, we've we've talked a little bit about how Johnny has very high character, even for a man that does what he does and has his uh, seemingly his standards and morals. But Torgier is like really that link to kind of the everyman and humanity, and someone we can. Celebrate with and laugh at and uh, and identify with to some degree, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think key is that as much as Johnny's a fish out of water, you know, being in Lilyhammer, I feel like yeah, Tour Gear is also a fish out of water, just kind of being a local bumbling idiot. But now he's like part of this organized crime syndicate and like <laughs> right. a major player in it, and major and he's not really suited for it like he's suited to be you know uh someone that works for Johnny and does what he tells him to do ultimately but like when it comes to any moment where he has to make a call things don't really work out for Johnny <laughs> and it becomes really clear these you know he's not
1: yeah there's actually even a line and I may have been in 7 um where Johnny tells him, don't think. It's in one yeah. of these two, right? And <laughs> yeah. It's that classic moment where the boss is like, I don't pay you to think, kid. I pay you to do, <laughs> right? Like, it's that scene. And and he is that guy, but he also has a lot of responsibility. And it's clear that, you know, Johnny expects a lot from him. And that's kind of how Johnny is. You can tell he's that type of leader that, like, leads by example. He expects a lot. But he also forgives. And so um, that's this uh, interesting relationship they have. Is um, He never, you know, he may in the moment be briefly upset with Torgir, but he doesn't hold anything against him or blame him. He understands that, you know, he's asking this complete, you know, as you were saying, kind of village idiot type Norwegian guy to be his <laughs> second in command. Yeah, is number two. is number two. And it's interesting, and I think that's a good way to kind of start to segue into more of the stuff that happened in episode seven as well. Open that up too, because Torgir, wow, his journey in seven is very um, fascinating, interesting, and it's not that it kind of diverges, but it goes really kind (laughs) of deeper into some of these themes we've been touching on and i i realized a couple times in 7 how just what you said how he's the fish out of water uh in a lot of circumstances and then of course um yeah like he ends up being almost like the uh the undoing of everything you know he he <laughs> he slips up good in 7 and uh, just puts Johnny in hot water again on a lot of accounts. And I definitely, you know, through it, we're kind of seeing this happen. And it's one of those things where you're kind of seeing the, uh the mess get bigger and bigger, mm. um, but you can't do anything about it. Right. Uh, he just keeps kind of fucking up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, he just keeps kind of fucking up. Yeah. And there's, there was a theme that I pulled from episode seven and it sort of gets foreshadowed a little bit in episode six, but I felt like episode seven, there was an issue of loneliness that came up a lot in these two, in these two episodes. In episode six, um, tour gear is, uh, on those online dating sites, mm-hmm. right? Baltic. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, then he told, um, <laughs> then he covered for, for Johnny. Um, and then, but it also comes up, you know, in the cabin scenes of Episode Seven, sure. and how lonely um, the immigration guy is. Yawn. Yeah. Yawn. Thank you. And and there's something in there with with tour gear, which is, you know, sort of interesting. So they open Episode Seven, and of course, Arnie gave a noble effort against the the New York goons at the end of Episode Six, right when they realized it wasn't. It wasn't Frank the Fixer that they were trying to kill. It was Arnie. Arnie yeah. goes after him and, you know, takes a, takes one for the team. And they already established Arnie's hot mom in episode six, so she's there in episode seven. And the <laughs> flowers that he, that Johnny just takes from the other lady who's catatonic in the hallway, <laughs> and they just give them to his mom. And she's like, in a vase and everything. <laughs> um, but there was something... I don't know. There's, like, a little bit of sadness because it's surprising. All these things happen. Now he's running a club. Just interesting to me that he was also lonely. You know, maybe there was no time. It's all business, you know, when he's there and he's working for Johnny and there's no, like, moment for him to have, like, a personal life. So it's sort of, like, yeah, this longing for his personal life. And then that sort of gets echoed by Jan and his sort of loneliness and seems to be hooking up with a lot of young immigrants having parties in his cabin where he's taking lewd pictures from time to time, but not a relationship of substance, really. Um, and then you can get, you know, Ingrid, there's also some loneliness kind of coming from her. So, I don't know, I just picked, that, picked up on that as a theme. Um,
1: yeah. I want to know if,
0: if that sounded right to you or if you you caught any of that.
1: Yeah, well, I think in, especially in um, Torgir's case, you know, it's sort of further adding to that dimension of his character um, that's really identifiable and still the sort of town town screw-up. And <laughs> he, through all this, as uh, we've been saying, Johnny's just kind of thrown him into the fire, placed a lot of responsibility on him, assumed a lot of him, um, put him in a lot of situations where he just had to sink or swim. But what he hasn't really done is taught him about life or, you know, Mm. the things that he we see him kind of imparting to Jonas, Sigrid's son. Uh, We don't see him really doing those kinds of things with Torgir or any of the other guys. Um, So they're just sort of left to fend for themselves. And I think... Probably, if we you know sort of dig into Johnny's Johnny Frank's psychology in this, he probably thinks like, "What do you need me for? You got money. You you know everyone here. Like, go get yourself abroad or whatever, right?" Um, so it's interesting because I think it is just really in Torgier's case, adding dimensions and adding to that richness of his character, um, but the. Cabin is a different story, and, um, you know, Jan, one thing that I think is interesting is that Jan is not really ultimately held accountable or blamed for what he's been doing, mm. and the pictures from the cabin are just the, like, hard evidence, but we kind of know how, like, gross and skeevy he is, especially yeah. with immigrant women and the whole scene with him at the cabin, like that, like every moment of that for me is just super cringy. Mm. And I know that's part of what it's intended to be, but from, from my perspective, I'm just like, why is this guy not in jail? Like, and so when he gets like drunk and pitiable in that scene, like, mm. I just, like... You're not
0: there for him. I am not there
1: for him. And, (laughs) like, I'm trying to, like, have empathy or sympathy or something, but I'm not there, man. Like, I just want him left in the woods, and I don't want to even really fucking have to see him.
0: Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I agree 100%. I certainly wasn't there for him. I just found this thread of of loneliness as a theme kind of cropping up, even with like the goons sure. hanging out with the young high school girls at the high school party and the tour gear's brother there dressed as like an alumni. Like yeah. it was just this sort of like gra- everyone grasping for some kind of like human connection, you know. Yeah. And um, in Jan's case, yeah, I, th- I think – um. He has no one to blame but himself for how lonely he is, for sure. And I thought his his sort of behavior towards this pregnant (laughs) woman who's in a committed relationship was, like, totally ridiculous. It's like, dude, what?
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting how, you know, she just sort of shrugs it off. Um, She's unsurprised, you know unimpressed, like she knows what's going on. And it's definitely, it's a theme throughout, I think, really this latter part of the season um, in that, like, you know, it's a huge part of that final, you know, final scenes of Gayer and his story, right? This, like, spiraling loneliness, loss of family, like all this stuff. And, yeah, there's something... Definitely, there that they're uh, speaking to, or maybe simply juxtaposing against Frank, who is surrounded by people, right? And is right, not and and and, and completely
0: alone. I mean, he came he came there completely alone, right? And he seems to be just kind of carving out a new life for himself and building relationships yeah. and just adding and adding. And everyone else is like kind of looking around, being like, "Well, what about me?"
1: Yeah. And if I had to sort of dig into that as like what are they saying, you know, or mm-hmm. anything sort of deeper like that, to me it seems like the the commentary maybe is the more you, you know, force it, the more you run away from real feelings, the more you try, the more you do anything that's not simply connecting directly with people, the more you know, lonely you'll feel. And so all these other characters who, you know, especially Jan seemingly as like so many people are around him, so much going on, such a rich life. He's like this character that everyone knows that puts on all these different trips and this and that. Right. And you know, of course he's super lonely amidst all that. Um, whereas Frank has that, you know, we've talked about his sort of like toughness and, Attitude and this like confidence, right, and this belief, this self belief, right, and that is, you know, the same in a way when it comes to loneliness. Um, that same self belief that's like true toughness that doesn't need to say or even show people how tough you are, right? I think is comes from that same place of like uh, self like, belief and worth and strength. And mm. that's why we see these, yeah, other characters that don't have that, right? Like, um, there's various, yeah, I think we see it through a lot of different characters in various ways that it plays out. Even someone like, you know, Torgir's brother, right, as you were saying, <laughs> shows up yeah. in Seven at that, you know, the college, I mean, the high school, like, graduation party, and he's someone that seems kind of lost and sad at times, right? Um even though he's like this big jolly knows everyone um mm. kind of figure, local figure. So yeah, I mean loneliness certainly is very prevalent and relevant
0: uh everywhere. And yeah, and I think um I mean Ingrid even to a certain extent is kind of going through this pregnancy. Sigrid. Sorry, Sigrid. Thank you. Yeah. I've not done well with the names with the series of Lily Hammer. Um, you know, he'll just bounce, go to jail or go wherever. And she's kind of left to her own devices, being like, Where are you? I'm pregnant with your twin babies. Uh, the police chief, too, like, is up. Mm-hmm. you know, this, this these series of episodes open, you know, with Gear's funeral and her dealing with that. The person she was closest with is now gone. And she's. Um, has this great sense of community, right? I think the cool thing about her character that they added in was this whole baking thing and how she bakes for people and it's a big part of her life and, like, a big yeah. part of joy that she brings to everybody. Um, and you really... I dug her arc. I dug this episode seven for her, the police chief, and how hard she's going after you know, justice for gear and like, just isn't right. going to let it go. And she's facing resistance from all aspects from her boss, from the system. And it, um, I thought it led in a very kind of cool direction, um, for her character.
1: Yeah. She ends up, uh, calling Johnny Torgear and, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and trying to warn them. Um, I think it's interesting, in these couple episodes as these, you know, two other mobsters, mafioso guys arrive, Um Johnny is very unconcerned.
0: Yeah, um, I picked up on that too. He just, even that,
1: you know, scene in Seven where um they almost shoot him. I mean, really, for all intents and purposes, they should have killed him in that scene. You know, he's got... Mm a sniper rifle from short range for that type of a gun, right? And at the National Day celebration, um, he's got the gun trained on him and uh, and Frank, Johnny Frank knows they're in town. He knows what's going on, both episodes, right? Like, yeah. he knows. Uh, and he's unconcerned and he just keeps kind of saying, eh, beef up security, right? And it's... <laughs> yeah. It's like it's coolness and calmness, but almost to the point of fault. Um, and right before they almost assassinate him uh, and take that shot. I remember thinking when he says that once more to tour gear, uh, like, bro, like you need to handle this, bud. like you're like too lax, you know, just like too lax. And yeah, um, yeah of course. The bus of, of high school girls drives by and honks right at the right moment and he shoots uh, the glass out of Jan's hand instead, which leads to a great moment where Jan drops the scandalous pictures by accident and Oops. then is frantically frantically trying to uh, gather them all. But of course, one gets away. Yusef grabs a
0: couple. to <laughs> get his revenge. Right. Um, yeah. So there, this show is pretty fantastical, right? I mean, we're 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 on this journey, and I've noticed a few plot things pop up where I'm like, okay, like, did they need to bring Gears fanny pack with them to Norway? Like, couldn't right. they have just written down the address? Like, well, like, there's <laughs> just a bunch of random stuff like that where I'm just like, okay, but it's such a fun show, and it's so funny. Like it's just like you just let it slide. You're kind of like, all right, yeah. And like, and also, any time one of those things happen, it gives a character like the police chief such a ignition, you know, an igniting of of a new direction, mm-hmm. an energy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know Johnny's influence on Jonas really took a turn, um, <laughs> went went up a notch, right? And in, in episode seven, where he's Taught him how to play poker and rewrote his speech for the national day and gets him a blue <laughs> and, suit. Yeah, and and there's we're seeing some cracks in in his personal relationship with um with secret with secret.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that I guess we touched on it a little bit before, but she seems uh, fine with the logistics of this. Like, she seems fine with Johnny just doing his thing for the most Mm -hmm. part. But, yeah, we do see it start to chafe a little, and, um, you know, the story that Jan almost spills. But I'm kind of wondering at this point, you know, in episode seven, you can see that the wheels are turning a little with Sigrid, I'm just kind of wondering, like, what, like, how she's explained or rationalized his behavior. And Mm. he just, like, has a luxury condo you can move. Like, it, it, like, there has to be some element to this where she already knows what's going on, but has been afraid to admit it or hasn't had to confront it exactly. Mm. But, like, she is not dumb. Right, she's clearly like intelligent, educated woman who's an educator yeah, herself. A good point. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. So, what? Like all of the things that have happened with Johnny, even if she accepts some of these explanations,
0: like the club is popular, them, it's making money. Yeah,
1: right. Like, oh, he went to the Baltics and then he comes back and is like, I brought Baltic furniture, like all the prison stuff, and she just like accepts that, right? And so uh, I feel like there's, so- like, you know, you were saying some aspects of the show, you have to just kind of suspend
0: belief, right? Yeah.
1: Which is what we do watching TV. But for her in this character, like, she <laughs> she has to be doing some of that. And I think it's starting to, like, cave in because she's been uh, intentionally just, like, ignoring and turning yeah. away from this stuff that's still there, even if she's not fully giving it. It's like, it's there
0: yeah it's funny that scene when he came back from quote unquote baltics with the furniture like for me that that sort of connected on this sort of these moments of loneliness or showing characters being lonely where she was just kind of like so delighted that he did something really thoughtful and right. nice for the kid like for their future kids yeah that um it was a sense and then he was like why don't you spend the night with me here like there was yeah, like there seems to be a clear kind of like distant arrangement, but she herself is a single mom with no, you know, dad. So it's like there's yeah. this seemingly wealthy foreign guy who moved to town, American, and and uh, she certainly um, had a blind eye to the majority, and that's starting. She's starting to re- wake up to to the reality of what's going on here, but um,
1: yeah, and I think that's really you know part of that theme we were talking about sort of loneliness and um, and what it looks like to be lonely or not and what it looks like to have community, be a part of a community. Um, a lot of these characters that are Norwegian and maybe as an American we see this kind of idyllic community that's so like benign and kind but a lot of them are super lonely, right? And Mm. so I think part of what we're seeing with Seagrid, some of the other characters, is that ability to suspend disbelief or to be willfully ignorant of what's actually going on because you're lonely, want to believe in the best. And um, that is kind of what... (laughs) What Johnny is, you know, showing us all through this story is, um, most people are just lonely and want to believe, and most people who understand that are willing to take advantage of it. I mean, it's it's yeah. very much a two-edged, uh, double-edged sword. It's very much uh, something that cuts both ways, and. Uh, I think the show is able to really uh, toe this line because of, as we've said, just how funny and uh, absurd the story is, and uh, just the pictures—literally the pictures. I mean, when uh, when Layla comes to the club at the beginning of Seven to question Johnny, and she's oh, yeah. sitting over like on one side in this purple light, and she's actually like moving a little to the music. It's just an unbelievable shot. You've got you know these nature shots, these amazing shots of yeah. of Johnny Frank pictured, you know, in these settings. It's it just really is. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fascinating show uh, in how sort of deep it's going um, while keeping it this absurd comedic world.
0: Yeah, that was another scene I really liked when the police chief came to the club. To question him because it was, I think she was trying to establish some kind of working relationship with him. Yeah. To get Gears people, and he's like, uh, "You're you're police. I don't have, want to have anything to do with you." And I just it was a great scene in the sense it was like one character really wanting something, and then you know the other one run, running counter to that. Um, and I thought it added a lot to her arc in this episode. Um, yeah, like the the capers of the the high school kids graduating and them getting the the new, the the mafia hitmen involved, you know, inviting them along and they're sort of being like, <laughs> "Well, we have this thing we have to do, but you guys are really cool, so like we want to hang out with you and like have a good time." Like, it, and 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 that went right into gear and arnie's mom scene which i you know there's just about this like amazing um the draw of people getting together and like li- living and having a good time is you know is, is sort of underneath all of all of these past few episodes and even going back and i'm glad you brought up gear and the um Transsexual prostitute that he was with, you know, like, cause that also yeah. was another really kind of cool relationship where it was about people connecting and, yeah, and going a bit deeper. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, that really set up a lot of these sort of moments where even, even the hitmen are getting caught up in the culture and the people and the connection and the life that's happening here in Norway and Lillehammer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really uh, it's a really fun ride these these final couple episodes because as we said, you know some of this, especially the mobster stuff, it's like pretty easy to see what's coming. Uh, these are very archetypal characters; you kind of know what they're gonna do, uh, but then they get sucked into this Norwegian world, and it's you know this vortex of both hilarity because of, you know, pushing, uh, these guys into that world, but also hilarity because of just these situations that they set up and just this, uh, for us as outsiders looking in this culture that, uh, seems so foreign and different than our customs and culture as Americans. And so it's, yeah, it's like, it's almost uh, comedy within comedy. And I think the the layers are really starting to sort of come undone or maybe just become so much more apparent as we get to the end of this first season. Uh, it's, you know, we sort of peeled away this initial, like, polarity of just seeing the character of uh, Frank, this Stephen Van Zant sopranos character transplanted and then the introduction to that world and now it's like really we're just mm. stirring the pot and uh it's making for some some rich rich stew and of course we've gotta set all of uh you know this first first season up for a big finish so oh, yeah. what ha- what happens at the end
0: of seven Steve our boy Jonas gets kidnapped no Oh, our innocent, sweet Jonas, who we don't want anything bad to happen to him ever. he's so sweet and cute. And now he's with the bad hitmen.
1: Ugh, wrong
0: place at the wrong time. I don't like it.
1: No, it's it's a rough one. I guess, (laughs) you know, if you were really paying attention, you might have seen it coming. But there's so much going on at that national day that, man, I forgot until I saw it. I was like, oh... Right, right. Of course, right. Yeah, they get. Well, the, as soon the as he kid. was kind of
0: wandering out on the street, I guess the the exactly. shots were fired. He was separated. He kind of went out to the street. That was kind of I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what are you doing out there? And of then, course, yeah. Then he gets snabbed.
1: It's always the case. You're like, what are you doing? What are you? Why are you? Yeah. Oh,
0: um,
1: yeah. And I think you know, we have the we could take solace in the fact that they've softened these mafiosa characters a bit. And mm. while it's clear this is going to set up a big standoff and uh, a big, a big shake-up, dust-up, a big clash, finally, between Johnny Frank and these mob guys, at least I feel like we're confident they're not going to hurt the Time I mean, mm. They've given these guys yeah. some humanity. They've really softened them you know, when the cops find him and (laughs) passed out in the car with the sharpie on his face. Like, they've really softened these guys to this Norwegian level uh, where even the, like, worst, worst, worst criminals are just like these biker guys and Johnny who are still community members and pillars and actually, you know, somewhat caring individuals with their own cares, but, you know, there's no pure evil. There's no real, like, dark the darkness is this loneliness right and um yeah and that's interesting i think we've really like gotten kind of stumbled slash you were really like onto something you know in that loneliness piece like there's a real commentary on that and what darkness is
0: yeah i, I just keep kind of kept coming up and you know you watch a show and then he kind of ruminates with you for a little while so you sleep on it and you're Walking around the next day, like I was walking around the next day, and and I was like thinking about it, and I was like, "Whoa, everyone's kind, except you know, with the exception of Johnny, yeah, maybe there's some, you know, everyone's really kind of lonely, and they're like, their actions are coming out of this. They're they're fighting, you know, they're fighting their loneliness, and they're um, behaving against it, or they're moving against it in in different ways. But it's a good point. I didn't, you know, I also didn't pick up real imminent danger." And the guy even said, "Now, Frank, we're gonna make Frank come to us, you know." And it was really just all about Frank and drawing him out in the open and yeah, and making him vulnerable. So they definitely did a good job of of setting up this final episodes of, of season one. So I am I am in. We've yeah. come this way. Um, but another great point you brought up, you know, the, the about the multi layers of comedy in yeah. this series, like. I agree completely. It's, it's, it's super, um, in depth. And every time it, it's sort of, you think, you know, you got to handle it on it cause you watch the trailer or you, you know, you heard about it or you watch the first episode, like it continues to kind of go a bit deeper and go and, and give you a little more. Um, so I, I, I agree. And, and this has been great. Good, good pick. Eli, I'm excited to see what happens here with this season one finale.
1: That's right. We're going to watch season one, episode eight, the finale of this first season of Lilyhammer. And we'll be back next episode to talk about it, wrap up, final thoughts on Lilyhammer. And then Steve is going to read his
0: new show. Ooh, what's it gonna be what's it gonna be we're all so well, excited well please join us join us on our next episode watch the season finale of Lily Hammer season one on Netflix and oh, yeah. join us next episode where we talk about it and pick our next show yes indeed I can't wait to see what happens you know at the end of this of this season one alright join us next time thanks a lot y'all Thank you.
1: Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts. And there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's connected c-o-n-n-e-c-t-d podcasts.com thanks for listening